Okay, everyone, uh, go ahead and make your way back to your seat, but remain standing for the authority of God's word. So if you don't know, if you don't have a worship guide, you're going to need that all throughout the morning. You're going to see the authority of scripture there. I'm going to read. Uh, go ahead and remain standing though, because uh, we'll remain standing for the authority of God's word. Uh, what you see uh, in your worship guide in bold, we will say back to the Lord. This is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we all say, for all flesh is like grass. Amen, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Um, if anybody was looking at the clock, don't. We always blame it on youth ministry, right? 1045? That means I've got 15 minutes to preach this thing? I can't spell my name in 15 minutes. I'm kidding. All right, y'all. <laughs> what? Take your time. I'm kidding. We, we won't rush, but we'll be, we'll be expeditious. That's a first uh, uh, a name or a word for the first day of school. Okay. So uh, if you see on the screen, you see this idea of a great commissioned life, a purpose for everyday Christians. Of course, next week, we're going to start a brand new series that will be in all semester. But this is just a, just a little bit of a primer here. This idea of the great commission. Now, some of you know my story. I came to know Jesus at the age of 19. I was in college, right? Far from Jesus and all of those types of things. And so when I was radically changed my freshman year of college, I got, I got uh, welcomed into environments that I was not necessarily comfortable with, including the Christian ones. And so on spring, on spring break, I didn't find myself at Daytona Beach. I found myself on a mission trip. I found myself on a bus with full of Christians who I didn't know very well. And we were going on mission to St. Petersburg, Florida. And so there we were, we were there in city central St. Petersburg, first day, first night, those kinds of things. And in the middle of this courtyard, there is a fountain. Well, in my previous life, my, my job was just to have the best time possible, right? I was rambunctious and I was a little bit of a showboat. And so I thought, well, that's fun. What do you do with water? <laughs> you play in it. And so here we were in the middle of St. Petersburg and I was with a bunch of strangers that we were on mission and there was this long haired stranger dancing in the fountain. Dancing in a fountain. There was a security guard that was walking towards me and someone, a senior at the time, stood in front of me and was like, hey, let me just take care of this. He's new to us or something like that. And so they get me out of this fountain. They're like, listen, man, you, you really can't do these types of things. And I was like, why? They're like, well, we're here for something other than fun. And we're like, what are we here for? Well, we're here to potentially glorify God rather than make a fool of yourself or something like that. And so all this was new to me. So my very first introduction to like living a great commission life or sharing the gospel or being on mission was off to a rocky start. 
Let's just say that fast forward five short days and I had seen things and heard things and become part of things that I had never seen before. You see, when I got through with five days and heard this idea of the Great Commission, I heard that it was for all of us. I thought just that uh, the Great Commission or this Jesus thing was for pastors or missionaries or those kinds of things, but I had no idea that the Great Commission or being on mission or living for God could just be for every one of us. And that's what the Great Commission life is about. I wonder that in 50 or 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, when we're dead and gone, and someone is standing on, you know, behind some podium somewhere, giving our obituary what they will say about us. I have this grand vision for all of us that a part of that great obituary is not just that we were great spouses or great husbands or, or, or fathers or mothers, but that we would have something described about us that maybe the previous generation was not described. And I wonder if one of the characteristics is that they would say about us that they lived a great commissioned life. Have you considered that? Have you considered that to be a trajectory of your life? This morning, that is what we're going to do. We're gonna to try to really press in on the purpose or a vision or where you are going as a person. So what is this great commission? It's what we read together. Right there, it's Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20, right there in bold print. And so you've seen this potentially, right? And if you haven't seen it before, you've seen it now twice now. There it is in black and white. This is what we call the Great Commission. Jesus Christ, right before he ascended to heaven, he gives this one command to his people. You, we know a little bit about Jesus. Jesus was uh, from all eternity past, but he lowered himself and he came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a gruesome death. He rose from the dead and then he ascended to the, back to the right hand of the father. In between this resurrection on the third day and then his ascension, he spent about 40 days with about 500 of his followers. But right before he left planet earth, right before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he gives this command. Some people say that your last words are your lasting words or something like that. This, these are the types of words that he left for his people to at least think about, contemplate, meditate over. More than that, to shape our lives by, to being a great or living a great commissioned life. Now it is the first day of school. And so let's do a little bit of grammar. You don't have to answer this because you might be wrong and no one likes to be wrong in class, those types of things. But there is one main verb in the Great Commission. I want you to read and scour these words, whatever, and try to circle in your mind, what is the main verb of the Great Commission? These are some of Jesus's most famous words. And so the, the, very, the main verb of all of those words and all of those actions and all of those things, the main verb is... Right there, make disciples. That's the main verb. There's a lot of actions going on, right? There's going and there's baptizing and there's teaching. There's all kinds of action happening. However, there's only one main verb, right? And that is to make disciples, right? Of all the grammar, that's what you need to uh, understand is this action is coming from the Lord. 
To make disciple is the main verbs. Now there are some participles, right? And they're in the, what they call the aorist tense, meaning they're ongoing. And so there are other actions in their passage, like going, baptizing, and teaching. However, you need to realize that the main verb is this idea of disciple making. And that's what we want to be about. So what do you do? What is the command? What is the command that we need to obey? It is to make disciples. Now, how do we go about that? And what kind of ethos do you take, take on? What are the kind of the formats or the practicalities of it? Well, that's where you get to the, the participles. The actual action there is by going, baptizing and teaching. Now I've given myself probably my whole life to this great commission to teach and preach and love and to just push people toward this, right? So I could fill up the next three hours just on just things. However, I just wanna go into this idea of the word go because this is the very first participle. This is the first action that you see is go therefore. This is what we do, we go. If you're going to live a great commissioned life, you have to do something with this foot, right? Right, and the lean forward. But before this action happens, something has to change in your heart. Some kind of purpose or some kind of vision has to change there. You have to be so enthralled by something that it will actually lean, get you to actually lean forward and to take that first step. So what do we do? We make disciples. How do we do it? By those three things. You see, there's a history of going throughout the scriptures, right? This is not just by chance. Jesus isn't just like falling out of thin air, just like, oh, by the way, by the way, I, should, I didn't mention this. Let me just give you one more thing. It's not that. It's actually been a part of the structure, a part of the storyline from the very, very beginning. Think for me, just the idea of, of Adam and Eve and this garden and this idea that the first command there in the garden is something like this, right? To fill the what? To fill the earth, right? To have dominion over what? Over the earth. And so this idea that something's bigger than us, this idea of going and filling and having dominion over, it starts all the way on almost page one. Not only that, but this call of Abram. Do you remember in Genesis 12, this guy was just living in the, in, the, in the land of Ur. He was living with his father and his mother and his brothers and his nephews and his nieces and his cousins. And they had some kind of compound of some sorting and that could go back for three or four or five or 10 generations. And Abram was just doing what everybody else does. They, they live and they breathe and, have, and they just start families and they have crops. And it's just, this is what they did. It was just a normal life. It was a life of survival. And yet God, the God of the universe steps into his life and says something. And what does he do? What does he say to Abram? I want you to go. I actually want you to take a step forward. But before Abram took the very first step, he had to listen to God. He had to hear the command before he acted. Some of us are so proactive, right? That we outpace the Lord without actually listening to him. You need to know that the story of the Bible is that God has prodded by words and then action, conviction, right? Before you actually move that. And of course, the story of the gospels. The story of the gospels is no more, no less than the idea that God himself is incarnate. 
God himself took on flesh and he did what? He dwelt among us. He was at home with us. He moved from the heavenly places and he put on skin for us. Even Philippians tells us that he found himself lower than the angels. He did not find equality with God, a thing to be grasped. And so page after page of the gospels, we see Jesus going, walking, talking, directing. And this is what he was doing. And of course, after he gives this great commission, it would be odd to see some other trajectory of other people's lives. But what do you see in the New Testament? You see the followers after Jesus are doing the very thing that he asked them to do before he ascended. And that is to go, to move. The problem potentially for the American church especially post COVID is that we find ourselves rallying together, maybe honing in, maybe slowing down, maybe even circling the wagons. And we've forgotten that there is a whole people group out there because we're being too self-protected. What you see from the story of Adam all the way to the new Testament, you see these people were on the move. So are you living a great commission life? It's not to put shame on your heart, right? But just something to prod your heart. It starts with this idea of one step in front of the next. But then there's this, this fun little thing that's happening at our church that we too want to be a prodding agent, right? A gentle prodding agent, but to spur one another toward love and good deeds. And so this idea that we started with this idea of big table, Debbie Dupree's uh, living room and her kitchen was filled with complete strangers for months and months and months and months and months and turned into a year on end because every Friday night we had a meal. Every Friday night we found, our, found ourselves back at the Dupree's and found ourselves eating and enjoying a meal together. The other six days we found ourselves out in the city and out in our, our uh, workplaces and we would find these people who are far from Jesus, would find people who are far from uh, community and say, hey, why don't you come to this thing on Friday night? And so before we knew it, we found ourselves around a table, became a big table because we outgrew the house really quickly. Not only that, but uh, we had this diagram. It was a cube of nine blocks, right? And our home was right in the middle, surrounded by eight other blocks. And it was called Love Your Literal Neighbor. And we've challenged our people to find eight people, eight people, like either your literal neighbor or the people that are next to you in your cubicle, the people you work out with, whatever, and find your literal neighbor, people with real names, and start to love on them fully and completely. That then established this idea that we were on mission together and there's four platforms, yada, yada, yada. You may have heard that, you may not have. It turned into an idea that we were able to raise up leaders and launch people group into another town, another city. And we started a church in uh, Carter County. And of course, starting it, uh, this year at, at our family meeting, we started this thing called a give to go fund, meaning that every fifth Sunday, we're not gonna take up one offering, we're gonna take up two because every single dollar that goes into that fund is going to get people from this church mobilized somewhere else, whether by bus or plane, but we're going to be people that we want to be on the move because we take the Great Commission seriously. That's what we want to be known about. Are you living a great commissioned life? So, but what prevents you from going? Because oftentimes we find ourselves more stagnant than not. 
And so this morning is just a, a, just a gentle prod for you to think about things. And like at least this one aspect of making disciples is actually going and spreading horizon to get your eyes full of something that maybe you've never seen before. But this idea probably stops about 12 o'clock when you leave those doors, won't it? Because you'll be somewhat hangry and you want some food and you'll be breaking up a, a fight in the back seat or maybe you've got another meeting or something this afternoon. About 12 o'clock, you will forget almost everything we say because there are things that are preventing us from doing this first action step of going. So what are some of those things? First and foremost, it may just be plain old fear. Like it's the unexpected. You may have never taken a first step. And so this idea of fear is a, re, a reality. The scriptures are very clear over and over. There is another command beyond the great commission. It says, do not fear for I'm forever with you. This idea of the great commission is actually bookmarked with the very presence of Jesus himself. This is not a command in which you go, right? You know, hell, water pistols, like, pew, 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 pew. you know, this is not it. This is not a lone ranger. This is you going with, in the very presence of Christ because lo, I will never leave you. I will never leave you, Jesus says. And so fear is a legitimate thing though, right? We're scared sometimes of our own shadow, Right? And so this idea of going and engaging is something that we have to, to push through. So what do you do when you're afraid? You find protection. Where do you find protection? In the scriptures that says there's a rock and there's a refuge and there's a shield and his name is God and God alone. There's only one way in which you can overcome this fear of not going. And this is idea of the, practicing the presence of Christ Jesus every single day. What's preventing you from going? Maybe it's just that you're busy. Maybe it's just that you're busy. This idea that you're busy is this idea that uh, we have a lot of things going on. You've got some kids to feed. You've got some parents that are getting older and need to take care of. Maybe your phones are always vibrating, needing your attention. Maybe you're holding three jobs. Maybe you are trying to homeschool your kids as well as raise your kids, right? You know, I don't know. I mean, these, these are the types of things that really do fill up our schedules. We are very busy people. And so it is easy to get distracted with the things that are going on. But are you too busy to go? There are statistics, I don't know where you get these statistics, all right, but a mission, a mission agency said that in the, in the course of uh, most of the people on planet earth, that you're gonna get more Bible teaching in, the, you know, in these 30 minutes than most people will get in their entire life. I don't know what to do that, right? You just got 30 minutes, right? But most of the people on planet earth, right? Are deprived of that. So are we busy? Yeah, for sure. But what are we gonna do with that busyness? There's something about thinking about your obituary. There's something about thinking about the end of your life, thinking about the purpose of your life that'll actually reset, shape your schedules and your calendars. Some of the busiest people I know are some of the strongest goers I know because they have put some things in priority. 
And it may not be this flashy trip, you know, all across the world. Some people are practicing the presence of Jesus so much so that every single conversation that they're in or every intentional move is a prayerful move. And so busyness is, uh, is a race with this idea of purposeful. We talked about a little bit is circling the wagons, this idea of being too insular, right? When you are insular, when you are insulated, you only think about yourself. And so the phrase, you know, circle the wagons is the idea is that the danger is on the outside. And so when we circle the wagons, everything that is on the inside will be protected, right? However, when the people of God, when we become too insular, and we forget about the people on the outside and we only do the one another's, then we forget that Jesus actually commanded us to go, to actually love the nations, to include other people. Paul would say in Ephesians 2, something that says something this strong, that Jesus Christ has come to break down the walls of hostility. He actually came to break down, right, the bandwagons. He wanted the outsider to become an insider so that the insiders would give them a brand new shape on life. The insular church who only thinks about themselves forgets where your story started. And your story started with somebody at least considering you. The first step in going is just this idea that our hearts have to change. Our love for others has to grow. And I know we're afraid and I know that we're busy, right? However, we want to be Christians. We want to be Christians. We want to follow after Jesus. We want to go along the way. We want to be Jesus followers and we want to do as he did. And what did he do and how did he command? Was something that's so simple as in to go, to be there. Um, three, four, five. I, I don't know what happened to four. I'm sure it was amazing. Somebody make something up real quick. Go. I only have four. I, I only have four. Act like it's five. All right. Um, vision. Vision for our life is just another horizon. Most people's fathers and mothers wanted to raise you well, which is great send you to a college, which was amazing for you to get a great job so that you could support another family and do it all over again. Somehow, some way, 2000 years ago, another father gave a different vision to his kids and it was to consider others. So maybe one stumbling block is this idea that we've lacked vision. It's not just here in the Great Commission, five different times Jesus commands his people to go to our neighbors and to the nations and everywhere in between. Five different times the command is to go to your neighbors, to go to, your, go to the nations and everywhere in between. Yes. Living a great commission life requires you and me to go. It's that simple. It's not complicated. At the end of my trip in St. Petersburg, I'd seen some things and heard some things that I was pretty uncomfortable with. Meaning these, both our professors and our students, they were putting themselves out there and putting them in, in situations that, that I'd never seen or, or heard of before. And I still remember on the very last day, I was, we, were, we were walking the streets and I was, I was paired with a very, a, an older, more mature Christian. Her name was Greta. 
And Greta and I, our assignment was just to go to a city park, right? And to befriend someone and just try to strike up a conversation to turn it towards spiritual things. It was just a silly exercise, you know, for college students to see if they could do this. And what I saw and what I heard in my friend Greta's life was something that was so natural and so wonderful and so beautiful. You see, I showed up on day one trying to be a showboat. On day five, what I saw her do is someone that was so selfless that she cared for someone else more than she cared for myself. And I was very convinced very quickly that's a very different way or very different posture of living than I was accustomed to. If something was gonna change, it was gonna have to change in me. A great commissioned life is one of purpose. But a great commissioned life is actually anchored in the very words of Jesus himself. And so what motivates you, what sustains you, what prods you, more often than not, we need to fall or rest back on the very words of Jesus and say, what, <laughs> that guy, he's the one who's telling me what to do. What can we do, folks, as we start our semester? What can we do to try and pray to live a sustained life, right? A beautiful life, a full life, a busy life, but one that is considering the Great Commission. So before we come to the table, right, we want to consider what is hindering you, right? What is what's preventing you from going? And what we're going to do is we're just going to pause for a few minutes and for you to consider these four or five different categories. And where did you land? What is the one thing that is preventing you from, from going? Let's pray. Father, I pray that the thing that is influencing our life has less to do with our history or even our desires but what is influencing us this morning are the words of Jesus, who is giving us a different trajectory toward our, our life and our world, to see our kids differently, see our family unit differently, to see our neighborhood differently, to see our city differently, to see the world differently. Give us a different vision for our life. Make it supernatural. Make it filled with faith. Help us, Lord, every day to follow our master, to follow Jesus' example. King Jesus, you have asked us and commissioned us and given us another way, a different way. We pray that even now that you are convicting us, that you're coming alongside us in a personal way, and you're grabbing our attention in a way that hopefully will never be the same. Help us to be a people group who's ready to go on behalf of you. Thank you so much for all of the faithful servants in, this, in our church who day in and day out point people to Jesus, who point their kids to Jesus and point their spouses to Jesus, who point their coworkers to Jesus. Thank you so much for the boldness and the, and the faith of those who engage their hobbies and their running clubs and their gyms. And they are just always trying to say, hey, you need to consider this. But for the rest of us who are not, who are not quite there, I pray that it starts with a deep conviction first and foremost. 
I pray that by your word and your commission, that God, that is how you will get us to move. Not by shame, not by guilt, Lord, but by your word, help that to motivate us and sustain us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.